Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 95 of Beer Not Just Podcast Adjunct Series. We are sitting down with a phenomenal brewery tonight, which you might be able to see from my top, that my hoodie that matches the lights in the background to It's sick. Um, these guys are someone we've been talking to on and off for a few years to try and get uh, on back when we were only doing the in-person stuff. Just never worked out because I never got down there. But, uh, you know, super stoked to finally actually have this conversation uh, with, uh, you know, I was about to say arguably, I think it's pretty, you know, no one's going to deny they're one of the finest breweries in the province of Ontario. So please welcome Jeremy from Barncat and Nathan from Nathan Does Beer helping me out. Welcome, guys. There we go. How's everybody? I'm great. How about you guys? Doing delightful. Um, are you guys getting an echo there at all? Or it's okay? I'm okay. It sounds good to me. Oh, Nate, I can't hear you. And I can hear like a, I can hear myself when I say it, when I talk. It's weird. I just want to make sure that everyone's hearing me without the delay. All good. We can mess with it. I'll keep pushing on. Sound good to me. Sound good? Okay. All we need. So, uh, Jeremy, super stoked to, uh, to have you on, bro, and, uh, and to get the story. So, we are going to kick off with an unexpected beer, I would uh, argue, for uh, a brewery as esteemed as you guys for the Haze. This is your ESB English Special Bitter. Come on. There we go. Um, man, I'm incredibly curious to see where this comes from. I feel like I'm seeing more and more of this style lately, which... Like it's sort of, I feel like it came out of the blue, like all of a sudden, like there's ESBs everywhere from breweries that are sort of known for, you know, you want to call it hype or whatever you want to call it. Um, talk to us about this, man. I'd love to hear where, where it came from and uh, what the vibe is. Yeah, so this is kind of one of those things that's been on our beers to brew list for a long time. Matt is a huge fan of like classic English styles. And he's like, I want to make an ESB. And finally, we just get into the schedule and we're like, let's do it. And I think kind of also like selfishly, we're trying to make classic styles a little bit hotter again, maybe or trendier <laughs> or something. And, and like the hope is, yeah, like something like this will, you know, drive some excitement. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's really all it is though, as far as like, just Matt wants to make them and that's kind of, that's kind of it. Yeah. Th this has been like on his sort of like the way we kind of figure out beers is some stuff is more I want to make and some stuff is more he wants to make and he's wanted to make this style for a long time and finally we're like you know what it's time so we did it I love it man um great cutler looks uh looks yep. sexy Nate are you okay hey, are you guys able to hear you. me now yes you sound great okay thank goodness all right no worries sorry to stress you there um did you pull yet Nope, not yet. Okay, not yet. okay. We'll wait for you, Jeremy. Floyd. Do you want to I'm, talk? I'm catching up now. Sorry, catch sorry up. about the sound difficulties. There. No, man. part of the uh, part of the tech thing with having virtual uh, virtual converse. Um, great nose, nice and uh, kind of like uh, fresh bread. Exactly. What, I mean, mine's like kind of cold. I imagine it'll uh, warm up as we as we talk. Um, yeah, this is a beer that'll benefit from like warming up a little bit, but uh, perfect. So. Boys, welcome once again. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Cheers, man. Pleasure. Good to have you on. 
delicious. Man, I would like, I don't know, like a year or two ago, I'd be like, yes, come on, man. But now I'm like genuinely stoked for it in a way. I, I think you actually are onto something there, man, that you guys are playing a role with others in similar positions to make the style fun again. Um, what's the response? Yes. Yeah, talk about that. But yeah, and I'd love to know the response from your, your audience and your customers. Like, what are they? Are they like, why? Or are they like, hell yeah? I think a lot of people are excited. Um, one of the one of my favorite things about this beer is it's beer that just tastes like beer, <laughs> which is almost a little bit of a rarity these days. It's very true. So when we, yeah, so when we did it, there was like, the response was great. It sold quite well. Like it doesn't sell as well as hazy IPAs, obviously, but uh, you know, it, it sold well enough that we'll definitely do it again. Okay. And okay. Uh, yeah, we've seen like we have we see people like every week and they come back and get more and more. So like there's certainly people enjoying it. So. Okay, it it seemed to be. And we up, we, go, sorry, man. I was gonna say, and we haven't actually got a cease and desist for that label. A lot of people were convinced we would, but we haven't so far. Could you speak to what it's from? I was gonna. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I know. I was it, gonna ask about that. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it, but I've absolutely seen this before. That's the Fuller's ESB labels, just like modified to look like <laughs> barn cat logos. That's sick. Cheeky, but I'm here for it. Just, it's like a homage to the, that beer. Like that's what kind of inspired this beer. So I love that. It'd be funny. Yeah. Go ahead. That's like, like even more blatant than like, like than some of the blood brothers, uh, the logos, like the, like the blood light or the, like, or the blood var. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it, it, it was very blatant. I just told our designer, kind of make it look like this. And he made it look exactly like it. So I was like, you know what? Let's just go with it. Let's just run with it. I guess it's second half. You change it, whatever. Maybe you make friends with them and collab, you know? Who exactly. This is uh, wicked. So I'm getting a lot. I don't know if you want to go through some of the tasting notes of, of this beer. Because I really feel like um, this will appeal to the crispy boys, the people who like, who are really appreciating the resurgence of lagers and pills and stuff. I feel like although it's an ale, it's isn't it? It's an ale, right? It's an ale, yes. It's an ale. But it's on that vibe. I mean, I get I I think I enjoy it because it's not too much of a stretch from the from the crispies. There's something about it that is just it's like refreshing and light, it's five point five. Um yeah, yep. what's what's the sort of the malt makeup? Is there any specific hops in this? Yeah, so I can tell you exactly. So like like you said, like if, if you like kind of crispy pilsners, this should be right up your alley too. Yeah. So just a little bit more malty, but really like almost kind of like refreshing and just yeah. you keep wanting to kind of keep wanting to drink it. So Yeah, I feel like is um, that like we did it Go. Say so we we did it like as traditional as possible. So it has English malt, English hops. Uh, we used our regular ale yeast, which is also English, so it's English everything. Right. Except Cambridge water, but otherwise, <laughs> we tried to make it just as traditional as possible. I really enjoy it. Nate, do you have any thoughts on this, bro? Yeah, um, I, I, like I, I was thinking that you know it's um, it's got like it's got a rather sweet malt bill to it, like mm. a, like the good kind of uh, like caramel English malt vibe like going on, which is you know that like pretty. Like pretty typical of the style, and uh, you know, for fi like for five point five percent, pretty uh, like nice and full body. It's got good, uh, like like it's got good good body to it, and uh, like in good full flavor. Yeah, 
Couldn't agree more. This is great. Exactly what I was hoping for. Um, so, oh man, amazing. So, bro, I'd love to hear uh, your story. Um, I imagine you could probably speak on behalf of Matt from maybe his side, but like how you personally, you know, discovered beer and got into got into it to the point where you wanted to to make a living out of it, and then how you connected with Matt and how that led to the um, to opening the brewery itself. Yeah, no problem. I, I got into beer probably about 2009. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a while now. Um, and then I kind of got into homebrewing shortly after because I quickly kind of figured out that most of the beers that I wanted to drink, we couldn't get in Ontario. Right. So it was like, you know, it was the beer scene back in 2009 in Ontario. Like you couldn't even, half the time you couldn't even get an IPA in the LCBO, which is crazy these days because like yeah. half the stores are IPAs now. But there were times when you could go to the LCBO and there was no IPA on the shelf. So I was like, if I can't get an IPA, I'm going to make one. So I just started homebrewing because there wasn't really beer that I wanted to drink. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's true. Yeah, the, L- the LCBO was a very different scene, uh, a, a very different scene back in, uh, uh, like back in those days. Like you definitely would, uh, uh, like, and that would have even been pre, uh, like, kind of like the Ontario Pale Ale, uh, like, like, kind of t- like taking over the, like, like the traditional like crystal malt, uh, like Pale Ale that everyone was putting out, kind of between 2010. Uh, like 2013 sort of thing. Uh, like, so yeah, it, like going back even further to 2009, like I definitely couldn't think of uh, any? any IPAs that yeah. would have been, like that would have been, and especially not Ontario IPAs for that matter. Yeah, that was pre-Bone Shaker, pre-Mad Tom, pre-Smash Bomb. Yep. Uh, the only IPAs you could get in LCBO, Dogfish Head 60 Minute was here for a while, then that disappeared. And then Southern Tier IPA was pretty much the only sort of yes. more modern IPA you could get for quite a while. And it was usually like at least six months old when you found it. So it was pretty <laughs> bleak back then. I remember that too. I, I got into it in 2011 and I started this while well, I was taking a photo, like doing beer reviews to discover you had to get 365 in a year. So we just started digging through it. I remember getting the Southern Tier a lot. I don't, I don't remember looking at the dates because I, I didn't know that that was the thing. But yeah, the, the, in 2011, I think it was a different scene. It was like maybe Trafalgar, um, I think. And what's the one? Black Creek, I think, had those old school Ontario ones where they were like from the 1800s and recreating recipes and stuff. Oh, uh, yeah, like, like Black, Black Oak and Black Oak, I think. Black Oak? Okay, something like that. Yeah, there was Yeah, it, it started to get it. It started to get better uh, after a few years, but I had started homebrewing probably 2010 and just kind of went from there. And uh, I think it was the 2011 Toronto Beer Week homebrew competition. I ended up coming second overall. And then wow. so we, the prize was we brewed my beer at Amsterdam. I don't know if any of you guys remember, they did a beer called The Nightman Cometh. It was a Always Sunny reference. It was a black double IPA. In what year? That would have been, that, that been probably early 2012 or late 2011. Huh. Was it, did it get LCBO release or was that brewery only? No, it was, it was just at the brewery. That was Amsterdam when they were back at the, like the bottom end of Bathurst. I remember before the, their new facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there a few times. It sounds familiar. The nightmare cometh. Okay, so a, that would have been before you kind of like, a, sorry, ahead of your time 
being you did what like a black double IPA like that's kind of black like, double IPA jeez yeah back then jeez. that was back then that was kind of crazy <laughs> the reason I homebrewed it is because I never had a black IPA and I never had a beer with Citra so I'm like I'm gonna make a black IPA with Citra and that so that became that beer so it was kind of that's awesome that must have been a pretty cool yeah. experience to you know going from homebrewing to moving into a big system with kind of one of the OGs in the province. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Ian at Amsterdam, me and him brewed it and like just fantastic day. The beer turned out amazing. The response was cool. So that was my first sort of experience with commercial brewing way back in like 2011. Amazing. Damn, that's a pretty cool, uh, uh, that's a pretty cool intro, uh, like intro to the scene um, that uh, like to be able to work with, uh, like with one of the OGs like Ian on uh, um, like in Amsterdam in uh, kind of the early days, uh, like of the, uh, kind of emergence of the scene. Mm. Yeah, that was, it was a great opportunity. And I think they had just kind of started recently making Bone Shaker. Uh, that was the first time they were doing Tempest too. So mm. a lot they were doing, they were kind of one of the pioneers in Ontario of doing more adventurous styles. So that was pretty cool to work with them way back then. Was that, um, did that further inspire you to move in the direction you guys did with Boncat as far as, you know, Having, you weren't like restricted by maybe less creative minds in this earlier phase? It, it kind of felt like for me that maybe I was onto something. Like I'd done well at that competition. I entered four beers and then three of them won their categories. One came in second. So I'm like, okay, okay maybe this is, maybe there's something here. Wow. Okay. So then that's 2012. You've, you've got the first sort of commercial brew under your belt as like a collaborator with a major brewery. Yeah. Yep. How did the, how did you move from there? I just kept homebrewing. I homebrewed. Like we didn't open until 2016. We didn't get the ball rolling on Barncat till probably late 2014. So I was just homebrewing the whole time. Like not really ever intending to do like the brewery thing back then, but I was just enjoying it so much and just being able to make the styles that I wanted to drink. And uh, probably late 2012 was my first trip to Hill Farmstead and that just like completely blew my mind. Yeah. And uh, like I'd never it had seems a to, hazy IPA. Yeah. Or an, <laughs> it seems to was, be that a trip say, to Hill Farmstead is like, like is what sparks for uh, like for lots of people uh, like in the scene that seems to flip a switch for uh, like for so many brewers. <laughs> Yeah, back then, back then especially, because like I said, I don't think anybody else was really doing hazy IPA back then, and I never, I didn't even know it was a thing. I went to Vermont basically to drink Hetty Topper, and then I was like, while I was there, I'm going to check out this place called Hill Farmstead that people are talking about. Drove out to the middle of nowhere, waited in line for like three hours, and then got samples while you're waiting in line. And my first beer, I remember looking, and I'm like, what the hell is this? It looked like a glass of yellow milk or something. And it just like completely blew my mind. Was it Edward? No, it was Society in Solitude number five. Ooh, gosh, you never forget that. Um, so they so were was, doing new. I think like. Go. On. I was gonna say yeah, it was just like like Nelson Salvin heavy double IPA I think, and it's just crazy. Jeez. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say you mentioned Hetty, which is a, a great example of. Like arguably, Hetty is a Vermont IPA. You know, we'd probably consider it. Um, was Hill Farmstead making 
Vermont IPAs or would you would they be more similar to what we would consider a New England IPA today? I think they were probably the first brewery to do the modern hazy IPA. I don't know mm-hmm. of any brewery who was doing it before. Uh, Hetty Topper, I think, was kind of the precursor to that. Yeah. Like it, it's not, not exactly the modern hazy IPA, but it was like one step in that direction. And I think Hill Farmstead kind of took it further. As far as I know, I don't know if anybody did it before them. I think they were probably the first. Mm, I always wondered. That's why I ask. I, I've had this conversation in the past, and I thought it might have been Treehouse or, or Trillium or something. But um, we knew the Vermont. No, so Treehouse, mm. Treehouse wasn't even a thing back then yet. Like okay. Hill Farmstead opened in 2010, I believe. And that was in 2012 that they were making modern hazy IPAs. And I believe Treehouse came shortly after that. But so I'm for my money, I think it was Hill Farmstead. Sounds accurate to me. I love and that's uh, and that's interesting because that's quite the span of time uh, from like if that was the like kind of the point of inception until it was kind of even like it was kind of even known that that was a thing because I remember even still like when they were starting to gain prominence I would have like I would have said and tell me if you think it was like like a different time but I would have said like around like 2016 kind of when they were really starting to gain prominence when people would start to think that like you know sometimes look like these uh, the, the, like look like this glass of orange juice sort of like sort of thing so if they had actually been around since uh, like since like 2012 2014 and had just kind of been lurking around quietly before they exploded um, like a few years later and uh, like in 2016 that's interesting how it kind of had that really slow um, uh, like slow kind of sitting in the background before it just exploded everywhere from 2016 onwards, I would say. Yeah, they were certainly doing it a lot earlier than 2016. Uh, Sean was, is like notoriously secretive about his brewing. So I think not a lot of breweries knew how to make them back then because he wasn't saying anything. And it's definitely a little bit of a different approach than people were making IPAs back then. So once sort of other breweries figured it out, like like you said, like Treehouse kind of came next. Uh, Tired Hands was right there too. Mm. Uh, New England Brewing Company was doing it a little bit. And um, I think those were the main ones. Trillium too. Those were the guys who kind of put it on the map, I think, in the States. And then it kind of slowly made its way everywhere else. Interesting. Fascinating, that that whole history. I'd love to, to get that official because I think what you're saying is the – that sounds very, very accurate. Um, I just feel like there's no like you know law. You know how there's like everyone always jokes about the IPA origin story. I feel like it's not as well known for like the New England IPA origin and sort of like there's a lot of like conjecture or hearsay and like you know pretty. I just haven't heard anyone either like this is how it happened type shit. But um, for my for my money, that's how it happened. So that's what we're saying. God damn it. So um, yeah, that shit blew your mind. Obviously, you were quite uh, conscious that these things did not exist here in Canada, period, uh, at the time. And you said you were there in 20, uh, uh, you started Barcat at the end of 2014, but you were going there in 2012, um, which, you know, you would have probably, did you come back from there and being like, what's up? Or did, and like, this kind of sucks. Or did you try and um, mimic those beers with your homebrew? Yeah, I, I was like just so inspired. Like, I need to make beer like this. Right. Nobody knew how to do it. So, 
Um, I remember myself and a bunch of other people were pretty active on one of the homebrew forums and every, like those guys, we were trying to figure it out. Like nobody really knew exactly how to do it. There was all kinds of theories. Like, was it the water? Was it the yeast? You know, what are they doing? And so we just kind of worked through it. And I would say like, probably for me, maybe like 2013, I brewed sort of my first modern hazy IPA. So I've been doing it for quite a while. And interesting did you when you did that first hazy ipa were you like i think we're onto something here we could actually you know make uh you know make this happen here in ontario i i wasn't really thinking about that yet i was just yeah. like enjoying the process but kind of as time went on i was just so surprised that that style wasn't really taking off in ontario yet like in the states it had existed for several years and just nobody had done it yet so like as far as I know, in 2016, we were the first brewery in Ontario to release the modern sort of hazy IPA. I'm going to keep making that claim unless somebody can prove otherwise, but uh, <laughs> for my money, I think we did it first. Okay. When was that, would you say? So was the end? That would have April 2016. April 2016. Honestly, that, before you just said that, my only uh, thought for that would have been uh, Soda City's Juicing, which I believe was in the fall of 2016. So, yeah, that came after for sure. Uh, probably the next one, um, Redline actually did Clutch. That's true. Which back then was like a hazy right. sort of pale ale. That came a little bit after us too. The only thing that really came before was High Road Bronin, but to me that's more like a heady topper as opposed to like the modern sort of hazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's marketed as a Vermont IPA too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so I they were before, and, uh, but – like, And even – and even shortly after that, Dominion City with Sunsplit was an, like was another one of the early ones in uh, like in Ontario. Yep. But it definitely followed uh, it definitely followed Sawdust City with Juicin. So Sunsplit yeah, was like, 2017. So ahead of them too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then and then at some point, I think it might have been like late 2016. Bellwoods kind of made the transition over to like hazy IPAs. Like Jutsu kind of became like a hazy pale ale. So it all kind of happened right around the same time, but I think we did it first. Let's let's say I love it. What was the first beer? What was it called? So the first hazy beer was actually a pale ale. It was an all uh, Pacific Jade pale ale, but the first IPA was called Eminence. It was mostly Nelson, and that would have been we brewed that in two thousand uh, April two thousand eighteen. Probably released it right at the beginning of May. So that was the first like IPA, and we still do that beer. I was about to ask. That's sick. So, okay, amazing. So that's actually really, really good history because this is I never heard that before. Um, when you guys started working on it on the brewery end of twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen, was that the intention? So you know, I guess you and Matt were already friends, and you were like, "Hey, let's let's do this." Um, like, how did that work? And then, what was the intention? What what were you trying to do with it? So originally Barncat was supposed to be myself and somebody else. And then this person backed out. And then there was a thread on, I believe, Bartel that somebody had heard that like it was in the works and was asking. And I said, well, like my partner backed out. So I don't really know exactly what's going to happen with it. And then probably about like 20 minutes later, Matt texted me and he's like, if you want a partner, I'm in. So I, I'd known Matt for a couple of years. We'd been trading homebrews. So like, you know, it just kind of made sense. So then we kind of got the ball rolling and that's how that partnership happened. Okay. You both brew? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we kind of just do everything. 
There's so two of us and yeah. That's amazing. So you found, why did you choose Cambridge? I guess, we, is that where you guys are from? We both worked in Cambridge. Okay. So it just made sense. Gotcha. And back then there was only, there was only Grand River in Cambridge. So they were at like the bottom end of Cambridge and we're up kind of closer to the 401. So it just made sense. It's like, we both work here. There's no other breweries other than Grand River. And then there's plenty of like industrial space that's relatively inexpensive. So it just made sense. Okay. So it took two years to do the build out, get the equipment, all that type of stuff. And I imagine you were both probably working full-time jobs while you were putting it together. <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think we got the ball rolling like late 2014. And then we opened on April 1st, 2016. So we were actually two weeks away from our sixth anniversary. Ooh, amazing. You got, uh, you got anything coming for that that you can talk about? Yeah, we have, uh, I got a bottle of it right here. I can kind of show you if we can. Oh, I saw this, the wheat wine oh, and the barley yeah. wine. Yeah, I saw I, I saw your your post about this on Instagram, and uh, I was like drooling over it. That's yeah. uh, like that sounds fantastic. You want to tell us about those? Yeah, absolutely. So what it is, it's a, a wheat wine, which is basically a barley wine brewed with a high percentage of wheat. We aged. We actually brewed this also with local maple syrup. There's a farm about 15 minutes north of us, which we've been getting all our maple syrup from, just trying to keep it as local as possible. So we brewed it with their maple syrup, and then it spent 20 months in bourbon barrels. Jeez. Amazing. And then we also made a vanilla that we, we added uh, Tahitian vanilla beans to one of the barrels. That's amazing. So there was a wheat wine, and there was, is it two different? Well, there was two bottles. Um, were they both different? Yes. Yeah, so so it's, it's the same base beer, and then just one of them has vanilla beans mm. also. Gotcha. Amazing. Um, and those are the main two products that you drop in in a couple of weeks because this will come out probably after. That's, yeah. Yeah. So that's the, that's the official anniversary beer. And then we have plans for probably like three other beers on the actual anniversary if everything works out. But like that is the official Barncat sixth anniversary. Love it. Amazing. So that's a, some, do you ship, do you guys, you guys don't do um, uh, shipping as much, right? Or do you? No, we don't. We don't actually do any shipping. Okay, cool. So they're going to come down to Cambridge. Yeah, but the, uh, the the emergence of the independent bottle shops has really mm -hmm. uh, like has really expanded your guys' reach, though, because uh, like because it is getting into uh, um, stores uh, like all over the province, where like so people further away are able to get your stuff a bit e uh, like a bit easier now. Like I uh, like I'm lucky to be able to get your stuff uh, every now and then at. Um, like in the Dominion City store, because I know um, uh, Farrell like does his trips out uh, like out your way, and I think when he's in your neighborhood, he like he usually picks some stuff up for uh, like for the Dominion City store. So it's nice to be able to get your stuff locally that way. Yeah, yeah. Anytime Dominion City's in the area, they always stop in and buy beer for the shop, and then we do a whole bunch of like other bottle shops too. Probably the big one is Bevy Vera. Um, they kind of ship our beer all over the place too. So a lot of people who buy it, I think they ship out of the province too. So a lot of people who get our stuff, other like it's usually through them. So, I mean, they're doing kind of a cool thing and we see them every week. They have, every, they get every beer we do. So that is an option there for sure. Don't. Someone told me, someone here in Montreal told me about them actually. And that's how he gets a lot of stuff from Montreal. So I'm sorry, from, from Ontario. So yes. yes, I know exactly what you talked about. Nate, I saw you move your mouth. Uh, no, oh no, no, I don't think so. Uh, well, I, I was no? just thinking okay. like, like, yeah, like I've had, I've had stuff from, um, 
uh, like from Bevy Bira, but uh, uh, like before as well. And and yeah, they're they're a bit of an interesting one because I think uh, like they're the only one one of the only ones that I can think of in the province like these independent bottle shops that also do um, like that also do shipping mm-hmm. around. Like uh, like any of the other ones that I'm familiar with, uh, it's usually just available locally, or some of them will do local delivery, but most of them don't ship. Whereas Bevy Bira does. So uh, right. like yeah, and if they're like if they're getting most of your releases, that's a pretty good way that, uh, you know, people around the province and sounds like even, like even beyond can get access to your stuff, even, uh, uh, like even through, through them. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So, um, I know we sort of tangented off for a second. So, okay. So it took a couple of years, got everything together. Uh, when you opened, you were doing, and, and I guess up until the you know, 2020, um, you were doing predominantly growler fills uh, with occasional, like very, very high demand uh, can runs. Um, yeah, what was the thinking behind, uh, like, what were your intentions as far as, like, you weren't trying to turn this into some sort of crazy, you know, shifting cans all the time business type of thing. You were just sort of like making the beer you wanted to drink in small batch quantities and people had to come by to, to pick it up. Like, what was the, what were you looking to create here? Yeah, well, the, going back to growlers, the idea behind growlers initially is just because, like, it's the most, co- like, low-cost option of putting beer in a package and getting into people's hands. And I, I think there is something to IPAs out of growlers. IPAs always taste a little bit better out of growlers, I think. There's mm-hmm. something, some magic that happens in a growler. So so there was, like, multiple reasons behind that. So we did that for a couple years. And, I, yeah, IPAs were definitely... You know, our bread and butter is kind of what we became known for, but we were also like really interested in doing sour beer and uh, like big stouts, barley wines, things like that. And it's kind of the same things we do to this day with a few other little things like ESBs sprinkled in here and there. We've been doing more lagers recently, which is really nice too. So, hmm. so when you open, I'll go on it. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, like I, I had noticed that, uh, that like there's been more loggers uh, like circling through the lineup um, like recently, which is like, which is just great. And uh, that, like, and like, and some of them are really like are really good for a brewery that uh, like, like, you know, that really kind of made its name on that, like on the haze scene uh, to like, like to see more loggers come through is pretty great. And they're like, and they're really good too. Like I, um, the one that sticks out in my, like in my head most recently, like uh, Calico Pills, I think I like I think I had back in yep. the fall. Um, that like that's a that, like that's a real like that was a really good one. I'm thinking like, like there was also a Vienna Lager at uh, like at some point there as well. Um, yeah, like is there anything in particular that uh, like that fueled you guys get, like getting that like getting those more into your lineup, or is it just like availability of brewing space or something like that? Uh, mostly it's just like about what's going to sell is the biggest thing. And, you know, we wanted to be drinking lagers for a long time. So eventually we're like, you know what, let's just try it and see how it's responded to. And lagers definitely became like pretty trendy over the past couple of years. So they've been selling well for us, like in the summer months, especially they sell extremely well. The one downside is like you said, like tank time, it does take longer. So they hold up tanks a bit longer, which is, you know, not ideal for a small brewery when you have limited tank space. So we fit them in when we can. We don't want to rush them or anything like that. But the fact that they're selling well, people are liking them, and then just we have lager to drink instead of just only IPAs. 
that's fair. That's completely fair. So from the beginning, it was the same mix. I mean, obviously, if I think of Barncat, I think of hazy IPAs. I, mean, I imagine, you know, that probably a lot of people do. Um, but from the beginning, you were doing all of these different styles, like all the ones you mentioned, barley wine stouts, crispies, all that sours, et cetera. Yeah, we've been doing that right, right from the start. I think we released our first sour in late 2016. Uh, we released our first Imperial Stout in the summer of 2016. We actually did the coffee barley wine in probably late 2016, and nobody really knew what to make of it. Like a lot of our customers had never even had barley wine before, and then putting coffee into barley wine, they were like, what the hell is this? And it didn't sell very well. So uh, we, we took a while to revisit that. But yeah, we've been doing all that stuff. Like we did our first like barrel-aged imperial stout in two, like late 2017. So we filled those barrels in 2016. Like all this stuff we're still doing today, we did back then. But yeah, we definitely kind of gained like notoriety from the hazy IPAs. Right. How did that sort of like, because you're in a place that was sort of, you know, further away from somewhere like a major city, I guess, outside of Toronto. And usually like, you know, obviously that's the most people and everyone in the cities are typically inward looking as opposed to outward looking. Um, how did you guys go about getting that attention and that traction for what became the biggest hype style um, in, an, you know, in a place where you people couldn't buy cans, you didn't ship. I mean, back then I don't think shipping existed anyway. Um, but, you know, people would have had to make a trek out to see you guys to buy some growlers and all that type of stuff. Like, how did that word spread? Was it just was it just organic or did, did something happen? Uh, there's nothing, like, in particular. I think it's one of those things. Like, something like Untapped, you know, you, you can gain, like, some reputation through there. People are having beers and liking mm -hmm. them and they're getting high ratings things like that. And somebody will come and, you know, through Instagram, that was big too. Like just posting photos of like hazy beer and people are like, Oh shit, you guys are making that style. And like when yeah. not many other breweries were so. Right. It just, it just kind of that it was, it was, it was kind of like a, like a slow kind of build. Like we stayed under the radar for a long time, I think. Mm. And then just kind of slowly, like more and more people found out. And like, like you said, with growlers, you don't have like a huge reach. Like we weren't really in Toronto at all. Like people from Toronto were like, you know, we want to drink your beer, but we wanted to come to Toronto. We're not going to actually drive <laughs> to Cambridge to get it. So yeah, it took a little fair. while to kind of gain that momentum. That's fair. I mean, yeah, go on, Nate. Yeah, uh, it's. It, um... I like I had been aware of you guys after the, the, like mostly through Instagram, um, like kind of becoming, mm. uh, the, the, like and, and you know seeing yeah, like the hazy IPAs and whatnot mostly from from like the Cambridge KW locals and uh, and whatnot and um, I was more into trading or like like in those early years and um, uh, the, the, like there was a mate that I had who uh, like who um, at one point when you did your first canning which was triple Simcoe uh, like which is a, yeah. pretty, a pretty bold uh, like beer to get like to go for the first one in cans and he, uh, like and he was kind enough to send uh, like to send me a can of that that was the first the taste that I had like, like this huge Simcoe bomb triple IPA <laughs> how did you land on uh, like on triple Simcoe for your first canning run. Yeah, so we wanted to do a triple IPA for quite a while, but we thought like it wasn't really something we wanted to do in growler fills. Like two liters of triple IPA would 
for most people would be pretty overwhelming. Even one meter <laughs> is like crazy. It's yeah, we're like, if we're gonna, if we're gonna do a triple IPA, it should be canned. And back then, there was actually a, a mobile canner who just opened in Cambridge. Uh, he had, hadn't really done a whole lot of canning, and he's like, "If you guys want like for me to come out and can a beer for you, like I'll do it at my cost. It'll be like practice for me." And get some beer and cans for you guys so you know we'll do that for sure and then trying to figure out the beer like we knew it was going to be a triple ipa i was browsing um blue peel and exchange which is like a website for breweries buying and selling hops and we found some simcoe that actually bench was selling it was like the previous crop year but it was half the price of simcoe normally we were like if we're gonna buy simcoe at half the price we might as well use double the amount so that's that's where that came from like, let's just put an absurd amount of Simcoe in this triple IPA, and that's where that beer came from. I love it. Let's see. Speaking of IPAs, it's time. Yes, Glow Cloud. Yes, Nate, you can go grab that. Uh, tell us about yeah, this one, bro. This is a uh, 6.8% um, single IPA. Yep, so that's a beer we've been doing for a couple of years. The one unique thing about that beer is it's brewed with flaked corn, also. Okay. What does that do for it? It just gives it like a really light body. Like you'll see when you pour it, it's like very, very light. Yeah, um, okay. It, you, you do kind of get a, like a little bit maybe of that corn sweetness, but it's still like a dry beer. So that that's the unique thing about that. And then the hops are Mosaic and Idaho 7. And Idaho 7 is probably like an underappreciated hop a little bit, but it's a fantastic hop. You're speaking to two of us. That's both of our favorite hops. Okay. Most they, people yeah. don't appreciate it enough. I don't. Think. No. Idaho Seven. Big facts. It's a. Um, it's got like a really unique profile that I didn't realize until later on. It's like some sort of like the, like a herbal, kind of thing going on. Is that accurate? Am I am I remembering yeah. that? It definitely does, and then it also has like a. It's very orangey, I think yeah. too. So. Um, and uh, I, I think I, I think I missed the whole description. Like, was this just Idaho Seven, or is it Idaho Seven and something else? Mosaic, and and, mo and mosaic. Oh, mosaic. It's fifty fifty Idaho Seven. Yeah. And mosaic, okay. Yeah. And the one thing I was mentioning, gotcha. it, it's brewed with flaked corn, also, which is pretty unique for uh, an IPA. Yeah. Oh, that is unique. Yeah. So I see what you mean. You're saying it's got the lighter body. I mean, as opposed to maybe the straight murk that you would typically expect in a Bankan IPA. That's a little bit more so um, <clears throat> due to like what you what you hop it with. Actually, some hops right. create more murk than others. So oh. mosaic and Idaho Seven are sort of lower on the murk scale. No shit. Interesting. Yeah. So something. So like the one of the beers you're gonna drink. I think we sent you Cats in Space. Is yep. that that's one of them, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's that, yep. that's your murky boy. That's that's like ultra <laughs> murk. That's all galaxy. So that, that's like. High on Merck scale, so we'll see when we get to that. Okay. I didn't know. First of all, because I want to sip this. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Smells great. Mm. Glorious. I like the – would you say – I feel like I'm getting dankness off the top. Is that um, – oh, yeah. Like yeah. It's pretty – I feel like it's pretty uh, consistent with what you guys do. You guys do a lot of, like, dank forward beers, I guess, or is it just this one? It, it just depends on the hops, really. Like, I think what you're getting is predominantly Idaho 7 dankness. 
Okay. Like it's 50-50 Idaho 7 and Mosaic, but Idaho 7 really dominates. So that's you're getting the dankness from that. So it's really hop dependent. Like you could take the exact same base beer, change the hops, and have it like be totally different. So mm. um, yeah, this is delicious. So what what would the repeat again with the flaked corn that would give it a what would what what specific characteristics it would be like this? The main the main reason we do it is just try to make the color like as light <clears throat> as possible. Oh, okay. For like, and what is that? Just because no particular other reason. Just, yeah, just no, no reason. And then also another thing it does is that like the flaked corn is like almost like less flavorful than barley, so it's just sort of like a better vehicle for the hops to shine through. Mm. Let's see. I like that. Yeah, super tropical, um, citrusy. Yeah. Um. Really smooth. It's got like the um, little bit of chalk, like a touch of that kind of chalkiness, which I'm a big fan of. Um, nice and dry. This is great. Man. It does. Um, it it does also uh, like I think as you're describing there, like it lightens up the body like a little bit. Like I think the body is a bit lighter, um, like than a six point eight percent might like might typically be. Like this is almost uh, like drinking as light and easy as a pale ale with uh, like with kind of uh, a slightly lighter body is what I'm uh, like is what I'm finding. Yeah, that's kind of the idea behind it. I like that. This is uh, fascinating. The Merck situation, though, I just want to ask more. Like, this is the first time I've heard about specific hops contributing to the murkiness of a uh, of a beer. Is there sort of like, uh, like off the top of your head, do you know, like you just said before, like Idaho Seven and Mosaic are not super murky, but uh, Galaxy is hella murky. Was there other ones that? Yeah, you know. It seems like a lot of Australian hops are quite murky. Like Vic Seeker will do that too. Mm. Um, and New Zealand hops too. Like Nelson can get pretty murky too. And it also depends on your dry hop rate also. An interesting thing about like our hazy IPAs is prior to dry hopping, they're pretty much crystal clear. And then after dry hopping is when they murk up like that. So and then depending on the amount of hops and your hop selection is where you get that sort of how, you know, hazy or murky it is. Hmm. Did you know this name? I had I honestly I've never. No, heard I this. had no idea. Um, and uh, like, so with the, the like, like the dry hopping rate and whatnot would obviously play a huge part. But does that uh, like does that have anything to do with the composition of the hop? Like if it's one that's more oily or if or like an alpha acid content that like type thing. Do you know if there's something at the chemical level with the variety of hop that does that? Hmm. It certainly could be an oil thing. I don't really know the science behind it, but it's definitely like an interaction between the type of yeast you use and the, the hops. Um, so, yeah, I don't exactly know what it is, but, yeah, it seems like oilier hops will do that more, so I don't know if it's something there or not. But Honestly, it's I, I swear for BOS we've probably done at least 300 podcasts, and a lot of breweries we speak to you know, make AC IPAs, and I, I swear that's never come up in any of these episodes, so I'm, like, fascinated. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty interesting. Like, we yeah. do, we've done this for quite a while now, so just to kind of play around with that and see different, like, haze levels and things like that, like, depending on our hop choice and hop amount, we could use the same, like, base beer and make it significantly less hazy or so murky you can, like, not even see through it, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 
it's crazy, man. Like, I mean, looking at it, I poured the rest because I got a bit of a smaller glass here. So I went poured the rest in it and it did murk up a little more than uh, what it looked like in the beginning. But compare, I guess we'll see, like you said, in the next one. Um, as far yeah, as. Captain Space comes out, you'll see. Yeah, I swear I've had Oh, that. yeah. Okay, I have had it in the past. Yeah, that shit is fire. Oh, the Captain Space is right. Oh, it's 100% Galaxy. Okay. Um, beautiful. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah, okay. So you're talking about the Growlers. Um, so then, I guess it just sounds like the, it was word of mouth is how you guys grew and kind of what Nate said. But like, I can specifically think of a handful of people I recall on Instagram who were always like living nearby, uh, and you know, being able to to pick stuff up pretty easily that we weren't able to get. You know, I'm here in Montreal, obviously, but I was in Toronto a lot, so even then, it wasn't like I wasn't always able to make you know, to get out west or whatever. But um, would that be the main way you think that, that, that this kind of, you know, it was just like great, just like kind of the old school, like great product. People want to talk about it and then share it. And obviously a growler, you sell them two liter growlers or whatever it might be. So, hey, you know, that is something that people would typically share. Is that just sort of mainly how it sort of grew and, and also add to that the fact the stuff that you're making are the type of beers that people do want to talk about and do want to post pictures of online, particularly because you were doing them so early. Yeah, I'd, I'd say like word of mouth, social media, and probably like the first sort of thing that got us the most attention was, I think it was early 2017, we did a collaboration with Shortfinger. We brewed a Clementine double IPA and oh, we actually yeah. debuted that beer. Oh. Yeah, we debuted that beer at, at Arabella Park and they had just opened a couple months prior. So they were like the hottest beer bar in KW. Uh, and then we did this Clementine Devil IPA. We had like a fantastic turnout. And a lot of people who probably hadn't had experience with our beer yet had it. And then it was just like, I guess, eye-opening for a lot of people. People were saying, oh, these guys are like the Trillium of Ontario or whatever. And that's what really sort of um, kind of kick-started that popularity. I think that first pulp event back in 2000, early 2017. I remember that beer. Yeah, that's cool. I... I fucking love Arabella Park. It's one of my favorite beer bars that I that I, that I think I've ever been to, almost anywhere. Like it's like it's definitely uh, like it's definitely like in my top three uh, like of craft beer bars I've ever been to. And uh, <laughs> I, I misspoke earlier. I was saying Triple Simcoe was my first taste. Now I'm like, but now I just remembered the first time I tasted Barncat was actually at Arabella Park, and it was thirty six inch chain. Um, the, the, like that was on, uh, the, like that was on tap there. Uh, the, like, and that was, that was my first taste in there. The, the, like, and from then on I was hooked. Um, yeah. Like Arabella park is fucking awesome though. I love, I love that place so much. You, you, you guys get yeah, in there it's, pretty it's a, regularly, I think, right? Uh, not as much as we used to. So like early on they had a different guy who was buying beer, uh, Stephen Cleary. I, don't, I think he's at Bellwoods at this point now, but like, so he was buying earlier on and he was like, every, any, any beer you guys do, we want a keg of it. And then after he left, we haven't been on as much. We're still on there, but like not as regularly as some other places, but, but yeah, fantastic spot though, for sure. Yeah. I've heard great things. I haven't been, we were supposed to do our first ever live ticketed podcast in April, 2020, as you can imagine how that uh, would happen then. Mm -hmm. Um, but they were, they were, they reached out to us and they, they thought that there would be 
enough people locally that would be interested in coming down. We put together, actually you guys were on the, I wanted to make sure I talked to you guys. I wanted to bring out, um, put together like a panel, like a mixed panel of different people from someone from Arabella Park to represent like a, a beer bar and then a bunch of kind of breweries in the area. Um, and we we're talking yeah. about tourism office to do like, uh, for what, what's the, there's like, the, I forgot the name of it. There's like whatever the tourism name of that whole area is that includes Cambridge. Like there's, it's like, it's like something strange that makes no sense. It was like Windsor, but even though Windsor's still hours away or something like that. Anyway, it was, I've only heard great things about, uh, about Arabella Park. So that's great that that's how you would have got the name out. That would have made, and that was 2017, you said, right? With the, with the poll. That was uh, like late January, early February, 2017. So that was kind of like, the first thing where we were, where it kind of started taking off at that point. That was the first one where like, okay, this is like, this is going well now. Interesting. Okay. And from there, um, you, when was, when was the first cans? Was that around the same time or was that late? That was later on, right? That was later on. So Nathan was right. The first can was triple Simcoe. That was probably, I think that wasn't until 2018 actually. I think we did it in May, 2018. Okay. Good memory. So in the meantime, you were just like, this was a side project for you guys from, I'd heard from different people. Initially, yes. Initially. Okay. And now it's, you're you're both full-time? Yeah. So we did it part-time probably until I think late 2017. And then we've been full-time since. Okay. Okay. So, and, and keeping it, uh, as you know, um, growl only and then just occasional um, uh, cans was enough to keep things sort of moving. Cause I know that you were sort of limited with the space and you were kind of like maxed. Is that accurate? You were sort of basically tapped. You, you, you were producing as much as you could and selling out of everything at all times. Back, back then it was fermenter space, which was the limiting factor. So like we, we would do bottles also, not of hoppy beer. Like we specifically didn't bottle hoppy beer, but we were doing stouts and sours and bottles. Cool. And then, yeah, I didn't do cans till 2018. So early on, yeah, it was fermenter space. Like we only had four fermenters and some of them were tied up with like longer beers, like slow, slower things like Brett beers and things like that. So yeah, it was like basically one batch of beer a week back then just growlers and then kegs to like bars and restaurants a little bit. Okay. And, um, so it kind of like kept moving like that. You were sort of keeping consistent pace as far as you weren't able to kind of like expand or do anything at that point. Um, we had, we had, we had a few more fermenters, like a few, bigger, okay. a few bigger ones. So we like expanded the, like the capacity that way. So, Dope. but for the most part kind of kept doing what we were doing. Okay. And then the cans started coming, and um, like you said, you explained why that that happened. I guess the the response was pretty over. I, I imagine it would be overwhelmingly positive, being that you had generated hype amongst the at the very you know. I imagine it went beyond Ontario, but at least the Ontario crowd who were looking for beers that looked like this and didn't really exist, and that also not everybody had access to a vehicle or could get down to Cambridge. So putting these bad boys in cans must have, like, people would have lost their shit over that, I imagine. Like Nate did. Yeah, the first one especially, the first one especially, like, Triple Simcoe, we put a one four-pack per person limit, and we were, like, lined up out the door. Um, it, it did last until Saturday because of that, but we sold it out, like, the first weekend, which was pretty crazy. 
because um, like back then, like a triple IPA from a hazy triple IPA in Ontario in cans, like that didn't exist. Nobody else was doing that. So wow. if you wanted it, like there was one place. That's so cool, man. Like I never really thought about that because I always really thought that it started at, uh, at Juicy. But this takes it back even further. I'm like, this is really like this is a history lesson tonight, guys. So, yeah. So back then, so cool. like nobody really knew who we were. Like probably prior, like Juice and everybody knows Juice and we were doing a beer called the Juice like months prior to Juice and. But uh, yeah, nobody knew what, like who Barn Cat was back then though. So right. Well, they goddamn do now, and uh, I imagine you know, <laughs> hopefully. Oh no, don't they? They know. Trust me. Um, so I think it's just so fascinating that like doing the can, so the can would have kicked ass the first one. Then how often did you do cans from there? So after the triple? Yeah, we just did it fairly sporadically. Uh, I think the next canning, we did a beer called, uh, cats in space, which was like Citra galaxy. So that would have been, um, sort of later two thousand, no, maybe early 2019. We were just doing the occasional canning. Um, like working with a local mobile canner and then he ended up actually like getting out of the canning game. Okay. So we used Northern canning a couple times. Like we canned a batch of pulp. I think that was the early 2020 we did that. So we were doing it pretty sporadically. And then like 2020 came and everybody kind of shifted to package stuff. Weren't really doing growlers. And that's when kind of everything started being enhanced. So. Right. Definitely want to talk about that a little bit more. Um, so obviously, you know, any brewery who wasn't already doing any sort of packaging very, very quickly had to shift to packaging. There was no choice. It kind of put everybody in a position. So how, how did you guys adjust to that? Being that you already you know, had a relationship with canners, you were doing some canning, it probably would have been better than uh, a better situation than maybe some breweries who hadn't done any at all. And then we're like, oh, fuck, now we're going to figure out how to access the cans, labels, a can, uh, blah blah blah. How how did you guys transition into um, into this you know new world that was required? Yeah, so we we had canned a little bit, so we were familiar with it. We were set up to do it. We actually got pretty lucky that um, we had a, a mobile canning date. Probably, I think it was like early April 2020, and so we were just going to can one beer. It was going to be 36 inch chain, actually. We had a whole bunch of other beers in tanks. So we're like, you know what? Let's just can them all. The mobile canner is going to be here. So we canned a bunch of beer. And then, so like we got lucky that we were just like, had the date anyway. Because after that, mobile canners got so busy. It was like yeah. so hard to book them. They were booking like two months out. There was like a couple months in the summer where we couldn't even get a canning date. We ran out of beer multiple times. Like nobody was showing up because we only had sour beer. There was no IPAs in cans. So it was, uh, it was a weird time for sure. Jeez. But has it, at this point, I mean, obviously two years in, I imagine a lot of those uh, challenges are probably or hopefully uh, sort of solved and you've kind of got a bit of a cadence and a rhythm as to how you sort of, uh, you know, how often you can and, and how it works. Yeah, we bought our own canner uh, at the end of, oh, well, we like, put a deposit on it in 2020, like probably mid 2020, and then we got it right at the end of 2020. So since then we've been canning our own beers. So it's awesome. Like we'll can one beer every week, we do it ourselves. So there's been no issue. So like, that's why everything is in cans now because we paid for it. So we're going to, we're going to use it. I love it. 
And is that has that changed the way you operate the business at all, or is it like I mean, obviously the first lot of cans, you know, from the Triple Simcoe and, and, and the occasional releases were they just brewery only? I mean, I guess maybe they probably were because the independent bottle shops didn't exist until 2020 or whatever. Yeah, they were pretty much brewery only because, like you said, like bottle shops weren't didn't really become a thing until like in later in 2020. So occasionally, like bars and restaurants would sort of have them for on-site consumption, but that was pretty like few and far between. So then the bottle shop thing was kind of crazy. Like, you know, we'd have places show up and like fill up the back of their hatchback with cases of cans and it was it was pretty crazy for a while like how much beer these bottle shops were going through and still like right now it's bottle, bottle shops have been pretty huge for us so mm, that's great yeah people kind of went off the head eh? like everyone went like a little intense early on and stocking up and i always yeah, thought I, like, yeah oh yeah yeah like, like I mean, there were so are, many people are, who there were so many people who could not keep beer on their shelves. Like, like almost like almost anyone, it seemed like even um, like, like Dominion City uh, when they were like even if they were only just canning like you know uh, their like their staples like the stuff that they have all the time like two flags and town uh, like in town and country blonde couldn't even keep like couldn't even keep those on their shelves it, like those would be like those would be disappearing it was a, like it was a weird time. Yeah, I think at one point Dominion City actually sold out completely of beer, which is crazy for them mm. to think that like they could be completely out of beer. But yeah, it happened. So we were seeing, I mean, we saw the same thing. We're obviously a lot smaller, but yeah, we, there were days where we did like a can release. We'd have like lineups of people to the road. We'd sell like through everything in like a couple hours. And it was, it was crazy. Jeez. I guess the, uh, it's, it's cool though now, like, I mean, that sort of initial uh, grab at anything you can get seems to have calmed down. Uh, it was it was a strange time. Like yeah, I mean, that's, that was very much like a 2020 thing, which, I mean, but for us, it was good. Like, that funded our, our own canner, which was nice. And it's, it's calmed down a lot now. So, like, that doesn't really happen for anybody at, currently at the moment, but, uh, which is a little bit nicer. It's, it's less stressful. Yeah, I imagine. Like running out of beer. And when you run out of beer and people get mad about it and things like that, sometimes it's not the best. So mm. it's nice to not do that. Yeah. We were talking to uh, Troy from Badlands uh, just last week, and he was telling us this, uh, like the same story that, uh, that like, what, like when they were running out of beer and they, like, they were having people send, the, uh, like, send them angry messages uh, like, and whatnot. And he's like, guys, I get it. Like, like, I, like, I love that you love the beer, but you know, like, there's nothing we can do. We don't have any left. Like, you need to calm down a little. <laughs> Yeah, he experienced that like on a whole other scale because he was so tiny back then. He was like one barrel system. So like I, I remember that beers would sell out in minutes on his website and then all the comments on his Instagram would be people getting like upset and telling them how terrible they are and things like that. <laughs> I know that, that stressed out Troy a fair bit back then, but uh, yeah, things are better for Troy now. So luckily. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it sounded brutal. 
Uh, while, while we're talking about uh, like about packages, let's talk about like we talked about cans. Let's talk about bottles for a second, because um, I'm thinking back to my first visit to uh, uh, like to Barncat, which probably would have been in uh, like in 2018 uh, sometime. And I'm thinking one of the things that I was able to take home from that first visit was green out, um, and I like, yep. and I don't know if i've seen like if i've seen you guys make that since like and that was probably one of the first like i think that was probably one of the first american barley wines that i re- like that i remember having having like a, like a super like very hop forward american barley wine um and like and it was a whole other experience and i got to know if you're ever going to make green out again <laughs> uh i'd love to but it didn't it didn't really sell very well so i don't know if we will ever do it again that's fair. On so, American barley. Sorry, I was saying American barley wines. American barley wines are definitely a style that's kind of near to my heart. When I got into craft beer, like around 2010, if you went to the states, like every sort of like all the best breweries in the states always had American barley wine. So, like that's something I've been drinking for a long time, and I still love them. And we've done them a time, time a few times. The Green Out was one of them. We did a beer, I think. It was probably like late last year called Battle Cat, which was also an American yep, barley wine. And they just don't really sell as well as I would like, unfortunately. So we can only kind of sprinkle them in here and there. We're definitely going to keep making them, but we, it's not something we can do like super regularly. Mm. No, that yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. It, it, it makes me sad. I wish you could do them more, uh, more often. Um, I, Battle Cat, I, like when I had that, it reminded me of uh, like of Green Out in that uh, like in that way. It was it, like it was definitely very similar. Um, and, like and it kind of had the same kind of look to it too, like the thick, murky, almost mm-hmm. kind of like apple cider like color to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like and then the big uh, like the big hoppy presence to it as well, along with that thick sweet malt bill. It was uh, yeah. It, like it, it was reminiscent of Green Out for sure. It was definitely like along the same lines, the base beer for sure. Just change the hops a little bit. Mm. Right. One of the, uh, I think I got it. I, can't, I think I got it from Ren Navarro. She linked me one time with Rack Queen, a barrel aged Rack Queen, and that was yep. one of the best barrel aged stouts I've ever had. So that is, is that like, what's the deal with that beer in general? Like. That is a regular thing because I think I, I imagine there's like a regular one. He did something recently, actually. Um, I think with that one, with different yeah. Items. So that, yeah. yeah. So that's our Imperial Stout. We released the first version like in 2016, just not barely, just straight up Imperial Stout. Okay. And then we've done a whole bunch of versions since then. Like we did uh, a rye barrel aged version in 2017, which again was probably one of the earlier, uh, like whiskey barrel aged imperial stouts like that in ontario like there there'd been a little bit but like it wasn't super common thing back then either so that's a beer we still continue to do this day like we just did in december we did a double barrel version we did a bourbon barrel version and then we did a coconut vanilla so we've done quite a lot of different versions of that it was just the one amazing. That was, I'm trying to think of the the one I had. It was I'm gonna see if on Untapped it'll come up here. But it was just one of the most impeccable. I was kind of pissed because when I had it, I think I I was kind of a little lit, and I uh, I shared it with my girlfriend. 
and I gave more of it to yeah. her. And I remember just being like, fuck, man. Like, I, why did I crack that one right now? I just remember being mad about it because it was just so, it was just <laughs> like glorious. It was like, it was just such a beautiful business. You've done so many versions. I'm looking up on Untapped Team. My God. There's a ton of Yeah, that. there's a lot of them. That's, I, w- I would say after IPAs, I think stouts are kind of like the next thing people would say they know us for. So yeah. big stouts. We've done quite a lot of them. Oh, man. That's so awesome. How, so it's just like an annual thing for this beer? Uh, it's not like super well scheduled. We kind of just do it. Like we, we try to fill barrels every year. So then it kind of just works out. We aim to leave them in the barrels for about a year. So then you sort of end up having every, every year. Um, we're going to do another version shortly, like a not barrel aged version with coffee we're doing from a local roaster. And then we've got plenty more in barrels. So it's just one of those things that when it's ready, we'll release it and usually kind of have to wait till like cooler weather because in the summer they don't sell super well but like in the winter people will just snap them up quickly so exactly. not usually a couple oh, yeah. times per winter the uh the double barrel are you able beer. to say oh, what it are is? you able to say who the roaster is that you're going to be working with yeah it's morning roast uh we've Ooh. used them probably for the past year every single like coffee beer we've done we've used them they've been fantastic they're awesome nice I connected with them recently uh, through Third Moon because I know they, they work with them on their uh, Each Beast to God. Yep. And they sent me a bunch of like little samples of all their coffees. So, super killer, man. Like, these are really great shit. So that, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that, it's really it's cool that you, you've sort of been able to turn this into its like – to turn that kind of skew into its own little beast unto itself that sort of has its own fan base. It's almost like you've got like uh, – you've got the Haze Boys, obviously, who are here for, for this type of fire – but then you got the people who yeah. I feel like people are passionate about Rat Queen. I, like I remember when you did the double barrel recently, like people were losing their minds over yeah. that. Like really, really. Yeah, that, the, yeah, the double barrel sold out in 90 minutes. And that was another thing that people were really upset about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, had a good turnout for that. that. That was a cool beer. It took like two years to make that beer. So that's, nice. that's another thing. You don't see a whole lot of double barrel Imperial Stays. We actually did it in 2018 we did a different double barrel stout which at that point i don't know if anybody in ontario had done a double barrel stout yet too so i don't even saw kind of a fun thing no definitely i saw it last year i think last year bellwoods for bring out your dead that was the first time i ever even heard of it yeah they did a, they did a couple versions of that last year so but previous to that it's definitely yeah. becoming more popular it, it takes just such a long time to do so it's pretty unique when you see it and yeah it's been responded to really well so we're going to continue we we got another double barrel beer in the works right now so money i love it, it. uh it, like it, it almost seems to have uh like a cult following kind of like uh, like kind of like bellwoods motley crew like that's like it's one that yeah. people show up for yeah yeah absolutely like like i said we've been doing it now for about six years so people know it and it, it's always responded to really well. So anytime we release one, you get a decent turnout, which is nice. Yeah, um, as you would. Um, it's, it's glorious. Um, I'm just looking at the time here. Uh, do you want to do the next one? Let's do it. Let's do it. So the glorious Cats in Space double IPA. I actually have had this one thanks to Nate. So I've actually been super fortunate because of your distribution to um, Dominion. Nate's able to get it and we've, you know, we send beers to each other and stuff. So I've been able to, to you know, he's hooked me up with some of this stuff uh, recently. This beer is impeccable. So this is the Murky Boy, as you called it, which I never heard of Murky Boy before. That made me laugh. That's, a, that's hilarious. 
Um, yeah, that's a thing now. <laughs> that's a thing. Yep, Jeremy coined it. Yo, I love how many firsts that you guys had, bro. Like the first haze in uh, in Ontario, the first um, double barrel. Very, very impressive, man. Maybe. I, I don't know for sure if it was the first double barrel. It was definitely one of the first of them. Like, yeah. like we've just been around for a while now, so. I think we should and call it. We should call it. I think we, You did it. You did it first. Okay. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> So this is a, this is a, this is another beer we've been brewing for a few years now. For like when we first opened, it was impossible to get Galaxy, so we didn't get yeah. Galaxy until maybe 2017 or 2018, and we finally tracked them down. So I'm like, I want to do an all Galaxy double IPA, and we're gonna call it Cats in Space. So we've been doing this for a couple of years now. I love it. Um, your names are hilarious. What's the deal with this one? Like, like I said, it's all galaxy, and it was one of those things like all galaxy, cats in space, cat theme. I don't know, it just made sense. Oh, yeah, cats, bunker. Yeah, I didn't even put that together. Love it. Yeah, this looks like in comparison. Exactly. I've almost uh, wrapped this one here, but um, yeah, yeah, the Merc is obvious. Oh, yeah. You're, you're right. The Merc is like a glass on another like a, It's a glass of, yeah, it's a glass of yellow milk. Oof, yellow milk. Is that a good episode name? <laughs> Could be. I think it might. But I'm gonna write it down, just just uh, just in case, you know. Um, first of all, cheers, get in you. Cheers. Great nose. Oh man, Galaxy is uh, such an interesting hop. I feel like this this expression of it is insane. Yeah, like it, it like yeah, like th this is punchy. This is. Um... Mm. Is it, they, this is a really good expression of uh, like of galaxy here. Like it's kind of got um, like the really like the really punchy tropical fruit, like with uh, like with kind of like the passion fruit thing that really gives it a bit of extra bitterness and a little uh, like and a little bit of tartness as well. Mm. It's um, like it, like it's one of those ones that like like you really feel it on your tongue kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Galaxy is a really interesting hop because it, it's so variable. Um, sometimes you'll have like absolutely fantastic Galaxy, and other times it will be like pretty bad. So it's <laughs> kind of a crapshoot a little bit. Like as, as far as I know, you can't even select Galaxy. It's one of those hops that they just basically are like, this is it. You like no hop selections for Galaxy. You kind of get what you get. So huh. it's always a little bit of a roll of the dice. I guess probably so. We were talking to Troy about that, like about almost exactly this last week, um, like about Galaxy, and he was saying the same thing that it is like that it is extremely variable, and like you say, you're kind of stuck with the blend that you get. Um, but what he was like, and what he was saying, I'd be curious to see your take on this. He was saying that Galaxy this year has been kind of off. Um, and, and like in that, it's not uh, like it's not quite working as well Same. as it has been in uh, like in previous years. Um, and like it, like I, I'm finding it's tasting great in this. But have you found that Galaxy has been tricky this year? Uh, we haven't really noticed that. Uh, Troy's funny in that way. Anytime you talk to him, he'll always complain about a certain hop. Like this one isn't this good this year, and. Uh, I don't know. He, ta he takes his hops very seriously. So, I mean, he's made more IPAs than we have these days. So I'm sure he, he obviously knows what he's talking about, but I, I haven't noticed that. Well, Fair this enough. one, this one is glorious. I feel like this, I, I can't remember Thank what he you. said. He was just saying that the, um, 
like this to me is like the perfect expression of galaxy as far as the there's like this I don't want to say astringency. I guess it's like the greenness. It's like a green, uh, the hot burn kind of thing in this, which I love. Some people don't like hot burn. I fucking love it. Am I off by saying that that's in this beer? Uh, I would say no, it's not. There's no hot burn. Like to me, what people call hot burn is like when you get like, like kind of a yeasty beer, which that definitely mm. isn't. Um, okay. It's certainly intense. It's got some bit. It's got some bitterness for sure. So like that kind of might be where you're getting like it's juicy, right. but it also has like it also has like an assertive bitterness for sure, which you don't always get in like hazy IPAs. Sometimes they're just like kind of straight juice. But we try to have like a little bit of bitterness there too to kind of back it up. Which yeah. that's maybe what you're getting. I think you're 100 percent accurate there. Um, that's exactly as I sipped it again, listening to what you were saying. You're right. It's not the greenness. It's definitely the sort of like. It's almost like a saddle pine in the back end of it. You, you get kind of almost like a like maybe like a grapefruit kind of pithiness a little bit too. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yep, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think that's more what it is. Sometimes it's a little confusing. Yeah, kind of, it's kind of that more like uh, that more like citrus zesty bit, uh, like bitterness. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is yeah. impeccable. Um, Thank you. I'm still blown. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, obviously your, your stuff is just A1, bro. Like, it's just, it's so, it's cool to hear you sort of talk about it because I've, you know, drank the stuff, not not as long as I would have liked. I've seen, like, there's this dude, Sid. I don't know if you, if, if, I think he was one of the dudes who came through and helped you peel the Clementines for the pulp original. This, uh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Sorry, this, this guy, his name is Sid. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Riser Brew. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah I haven't yeah, spoken to him. I don't know if he's still around on Instagram. I haven't yeah. spoken to him for years, but I used to talk to him. He used to, he drove me crazy with his barn cat porn on, uh, on Instagram. Yeah. So Sid's kind of local to us. He lives just like maybe 20 minutes North of us in Guelph. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he took an Instagram break for quite a while, but I think he made a comeback to post about our ESB like <laughs> about a month ago or so. But he's one of the, he's a bit of a curious now. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's uh he's on an Instagram break, but I know he mean, yeah, he was, He's kind of helped us out a few times. Really good guy, and he's kind of been like one of the people who early on kind of sang our praises, which is nice. Yes. So. And I think early on, I don't know about you, Nate, but that's how I I think I first heard of you guys through Sid and talking about. Yep. I remember Pulp specifically. You didn't say the name of it. But you go the Clementine beer. I'm like, fuck, that was Pulp. I remember it yep. so vividly yep. and being impeccably jealous because I live out here. We're in Toronto a lot, but like we had business we have a business and like clients and things to do in Toronto like I wasn't always able to, to, to get out there and um, obviously as well like you'd have to get a uh, a growler of it it wasn't as simple as like you know can you get me a four pack or something like that so it was always like yeah, uh, yeah. You know, a bit of a tease to see what he was talking about and, and certainly you guys were on that forefront This once again I wasn't aware of you guys at the the beginning of it, which is why this conversation is extra fascinating right. to me, because um, I didn't even discover. I lived up. I lived in Toronto in twenty ten through twenty twelve, and then I moved out here. And I went to because I was on Ellington and Bloor, so I was only a couple blocks from Bellwoods when they opened. They weren't yeah. in Hayes then. I did a podcast here with these homebrew dudes, and uh, who do like funky wild stuff, and they were collaborating with a lot of professional breweries, and they told me that. Um, Bell was just doing haze. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because no one did it. I just thought it was juicing and that was it. So then I went there and discovered yeah. them and then sort of paying attention. So it wasn't, it wasn't even, um, 
it was hard to even find out who was doing what back then. Um, so yeah, Sid was one of the dudes who was always like, like you said, you know, talking about you guys and, and actually participating and peeling the the fruit to put it in the the beer and stuff, which was very cool. You guys, I thought that was a cool community building thing. I was like, okay, well, this is like a brewery that is very engaged with their with the locals and with their passionate, uh, you know, people who enjoy what they do. So I imagine you feed them some yeah, beers, man. yeah, that's slave labor. <laughs> feed them beer and then. Make them do the hard work. <laughs> hey, man, can't blame me. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You're making haze. No, th- yeah. those, are always, yeah, if- those, are always, those are always fun days. Like, you have yeah. a bunch of people come out and zest some fruit, and we have a few beers, and, like, it's a good time, so. Oh, yeah. Actually, I was always kind of jelly. I never did that. I always like to do that one time. I think it's fun as hell. Sorry, mate. I know you're yeah, I'm I- – I'm sure that no one uh, th- that no one who was there was uh, like was complaining about the work. No, like like no one was there in protest. No. Uh, yeah, that yeah, like like Sid was definitely one of the like one of the ones who was having all uh, like all of your stuff and make, uh, like and making us jealous. One of the well, like one of the guys who I had been talking to early on in my Instagram days was uh, was Chad uh, at Bad Chatter. You you probably know him. I think like he was a regular um, like around your place. He's the one who used to hook me up um, like a, a few years back uh, early on. He's the one who hooked me up with the can of triple Simcoe. He even shipped me a growler once. I don't know how he managed to pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, oh yeah, we know Chad. Like we see him every weekend. Still, great guy. So he was another one. Like he's, yep. been, he's been coming almost since the beginning. And I know, or at least I don't know if he still does it. He used to like ship beer to Quebec regularly. Like he would be trading with the Quebec guys and kind of getting, you know, their beer and sending it back and forth. And he'd share a Quebec beer with us. So it was cool. So. Yeah, yeah. Chad's like a ground zero. Uh, uh, like beer trader for like from the uh, like from the early days. <laughs> Remember you telling me about? Yeah, it. he brewed a beer. He, he brewed a beer with us once. He wanted to come hang out on a brew day, so we're like, "Let's do it." We had Chad in, and we brewed barley wine that day. That's dope. Nice. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like that's a that's a real like a like a badge of honor to sort of to, to, for a business to to generate that level of kind of passion in your consumer base. I mean, that's pretty sick, man. Like the the fact that they will come out and just hang out and brew the beer with you or help you make, you know, peel fruit, which isn't, it's a manual, like you said, manual labor job, but they'll do it because they like you guys, they love the product, the community is just like a, I don't know, I, name another industry that people will come and work for the, the thing. Like I like shoe, there's certain shoe brands that I like, like I'm not going to come to Vietnam and make the shoes with them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think a lot of people think, brewing is a little more glamorous maybe than it really is like yeah we want to come and make beer and then they come and realize oh this kind of sucks but it's it's still fun though (laughs) it's great it's awesome to have people who are that passionate about it and just want to be involved which is really cool yeah it's uh you know we've done a a bunch of collabs and obviously over these last couple years normally we're there on brew day and um the last couple of years we haven't been able to be which, which sucks but always the one thing people always all the breweries are like ah oh, don't come at 8 a.m because you know it's just mashing in it's no big deal just come for when the hot bad editions are so you come in there and you smile for the photos and, eh, put the hops in and, like it's it's a good time but um yeah exactly 
Yeah, um, you show up, you show up yeah. when it's boiling, and then you get a photo of you like pulling grain out of the mash tun, and then that's it. Yeah, that's it. You know, and drink some beer, and drink some beer in the meantime, and you know, keep everyone smiling. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a good time, but I just think it's really cool that you guys were. I've never seen someone do that for a brewery until I'd seen Sid's photos of everybody who was there. And there was, you know, numerous people there peeling the the fruit for the, yeah. the pulp beer. And this was at a time when, um, you know, there was a lot of interest in hazy beer. And it was, I don't know, it kind of made me, it, it gave an, a, an impression of Barncat. It was just like this wonderful organization making this incredible beer that people are going to go and volunteer their time to peel fruit so they can have access to this damn stuff or that they like, you know, they really fuck with you and, and Matt enough to do that. I just thought that was just such a cool thing. And, uh, you know, I've, yeah. yeah, it's wonderful. A, a little bit, a little bit of it was like, we really want this beer. And we're like, well, it's a lot of work and it's a pain in the ass. So you, if you guys want it, you got to at least come help out and then we'll do it. So. Hey man, it's only fair. Well, that seems fair. <laughs> yeah. I, I you do your part. Well, <laughs> It's not unreasonable. It's, it's, it's super cool. So, okay, so look, you know, you've got you, your beginnings and how you sort of, you know, essentially, like, uh, to me, it sounds like you were the unheralded um, originators of a lot of different things in this, um, which I'm genu- I'm glad we documented this part of it because I think it's, it's really, really cool. Um, and now you're sort of able to can everything. Everything gets canned because you have that product. You're able to get it across the province. Uh, into all you know some of your yep. favorite um, retailers now, which is super dope. Um, you know what? What other stuff are you guys trying to to do for me? Obviously, you've got such a, a phenomenal Imperial Stout series. All of your haze is a one, you know, like worldwide world class stuff. Um, you know, you, you I haven't. I don't think I've had any. Nate, if you ever got me Bunkat Lagers, I don't think so. I feel like I'm not, I remember if you do. Um, I, I I don't think I've sent you any uh, any of the loggers. No, I'll have to do that the next time. Uh, the, the, like the the next time one makes its way here. Glorious, and I haven't had the the, the barley wine either. But I'm I'm personally just getting back into it recently and have, finding a new appreciation for it. Uh, I should think it was pretty boring and kind of ridiculous. And then re- in the last like this year, to be honest thanks to Nate and, and a few other friends that uh, I've been sort of getting back, diving back into Bali wine. I've really enjoyed it. So like you guys are doing all this stuff, like where do you take it from here? Like, do you have sort of grand aspirations for the brewery? Are you, you know, what's the, what do you want to achieve with it, with all this type of stuff? Being that you're in the position that you are, that's that sort of a very sought after, highly regarded brewery for everything that you do. Uh, I think we just want to make people love barley wine as much as I love barley wine. So that, that's the next step. It's nice. probably my favorite style. So our mission is to like make it the hottest style, hopefully. And hopefully people will appreciate it as much as we do. And we can keep making a lot more of it because I just want to drink barley wine. Okay. And that's when we'll see green out again. <laughs> Maybe. I, I, I think there's been, there's been more of an appreciation for like more traditional English barley wines, especially like barrel-aged barley wines. We've done some bourbon barrel aged barley wines that, that have been really well responded to, so we're going to like keep doing those, and hopefully, American barley wine becomes more popular. But I, I don't know if that will, to be honest. Fair enough. I'm going to keep pushing yeah. you eye for it either way. <laughs> oh, we'll definitely do it again. It'll just kind of be few and far between, probably. That's I, fair. That's fair. Is it not like like 
you know, there's like obviously the don't drink beer guys have uh, kind of popularized the barley wine as life thing or whatever. But I always felt like it's pretty, unless it's like hyper niche. But I feel like it was always kind of popular with certain groups of people and stuff. Like people who are like kind of more the, um, you know, there's like the hype boys, there's a the lager people, and there's the like the people who mess with the anything barrel aged, whether it's the high ABV, yeah. high octane shit, whether it's like the rat queen yeah. type of crowd. They must all mostly enjoy the Bali wine, though. Or is that kind of a generalization? Yeah, there's, there, there's some pretty good overlap. Like, if you like big barrel-aged Imperial Stouts, you're probably going to like barley wine, too, even if, like, you're not super familiar with it because there's a lot of, like, similarities in the style. It's almost like a sort of not-roasty Imperial Stout in a way. Mm. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of carryover between people who like those two styles. Okay. So I was, like... We have this uh, every uh, other Tuesday. We have this Instagram live session with Nate, myself, and Noah from Beerism and Chris from Hops and Bros in uh, Gadner. So we we talk about stuff, and Noah is really big on. He's like one of the main beer writers here in Quebec. One of the guys who kind of started a lot out here. And he loves barley wine. And I was all like I said, a bit, yeah. of a, a bit of a hater. So I tried since the pandemic. I tried to have a um, a routine with drinking. So I, you know, I would take Sunday, Monday off and I would take Wednesdays off. But on Wednesdays, on no drinking night, because I'm not drinking any other beers, my, my girlfriend and myself who, who started the podcast with me, she, we would drink, go, kind of started going through the cellar. We're like, well, I'm not having any other beers so I can actually drink these 10, 11, 12% Imperial Stouts that I've got sitting in the cellar, which is just behind the camera here, hence my gesture. So we started doing that, and I asked Noah, I was like, we were talking, I was like, just, they kept talking about barley wine. I was like, ah, oh, man, like, I drank it back in the day, like, it's fine, but like, sell me on it. And he kind of said exactly what you just said. He's like, you know what, you, he goes, what do you like about uh, Imperial Stouts? I'm like, you know, they're big and they're roasty, and they're, you know, like, I love it when they're bourbon barrel aged, so you get the booze going through there, and they're just so, like, thick and, and decadent. He's like, all right, think of all of that, but it's like a caramel, nutty version of what you're saying. I'm like, yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then the last few weeks, cause I was splitting them with my girlfriends. So I was able to have a couple of drink, you know, of big beers a night. So we would have a barley one. I started, I had some that I'd just been ignoring intentionally. And I had like some bourbon barrel, uh, bourbon barrel aged ones from saint and Baron up in the uh, Elma, Quebec. I was like, Oh my God, this yeah. is amazing. I was really impressed. So yeah. now I'm like I'm completely sold, man. Yeah, I think barley wine has a couple things working against it. For one, the name is kind of weird. Like, it's not a very good name. Barley <laughs> wine, like, it doesn't really sound like... It's not a sexy name, really. So that that's strike one. Okay. And then strike two is, I think, it, it's a style that's tough to do. Like, there's a lot of fantastic barley wines out there now, but there's also a lot of ones that aren't very good. Mm. So I think um, even, like, in the past, like, in Ontario, there haven't been a whole lot of barley wines we were trying to think the other day of like what breweries in Ontario have even really made barley wines like in the past and like beyond like great lakes have done it a few times and they, they've done a very good job. Um, the one most people in Ontario are familiar with is it beer to Zeus is fantastic. But the one I think in Ontario, most people think of when they think of barley wines was um, there's one that I won't say the name, but it's been like in a ceramic swing top in the past. And, uh, <laughs> In the LCBO, and that isn't exactly the best. That's not really the best example of that style. So, right. if that's your, um, 
exposure to barley wine, then maybe you won't like it. So, yeah. But mm. good good examples of this style can be like absolutely mind blowing. Like, if you don't like sweet beer, you're not gonna like it either. It's obviously a little bit sweeter, but like if you like that kind of thing, like you'll like barley wine for sure. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but Godspeed did an absolutely spectacular one. I had um, that, and, so and, I, and I don't remember even the last time that, like, the last time they put it out. But it's it, like it's it's next level as like as anything that they uh, like, that they put out. Fuyu, Fuyu, right. I I was there. Okay, no, I yeah. Go. I say I haven't I haven't had that one, but uh, yeah, I mean they do some great stuff, so I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah, I was I just ran right before the pandemic. I was thinking it was like February twenty twenty. I was I was in I went to a Godspeed. I, we've had Luke on and he saw us there and he just came over and brought barley wine and it's just what at the time it's two years ago, it just was not my thing. Like, oh, fuck. But yeah. Godspeed, so I was like, all right, it's gonna be good. And I was like, yo, this is fire, okay. And it still took me a little bit to kind of warm up to it. And I was asking we were asking the guys, like, yo, aside from Ontario, because you're right, as far as like you guys saying who else does it somewhat regularly? Yeah. It's few and far between. Out here, there's like Du Ciel, Du Solstice d'Hiver. But even then, as far as regular output, it's it's totally like a seasonal, arguably probably like a winter thing. Like it's just not something that you're able to be like, I'm going to go even, buy some barley right now. And even then, still it's pretty few and far between. Still yes. not many. <laughs> I'd say, like, it's definitely been, I think, a little bit more popular in Quebec. Like, I remember years ago being in Montreal and buying, um, I'm not sure who, it, like, Simple Malt, maybe, maybe something That's like that. It. Like, it's definitely been um, more prevalent in Quebec than it has been in Ontario. You're seeing it a little bit more in Ontario now. Like, you have, like, Third Moon has done a couple, Reverence has done a few, too. But, yeah, if... Like the past, beyond a few years ago, there wasn't really much in the way of barley wine in Ontario. No, which is, uh, it's a bit of a shame, but I don't know. I feel like if Barncat, I don't know. I feel like your name holds such, uh, maybe maybe to you it might not feel as much, but to me, if I hear, like Nate telling me about um, the green out, malt, like Molten yeah. probably told me about it like three, four, five times. And I'm like, okay, if Barncat are doing it, I'm like, even before I started trying it and, and now being swayed to the Bali wine side, I was like, ah, if Barncat are doing it, all right, I'll try it. Like, it wasn't even, you know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't even like a question. I was like, all right, let's go. Like, and I, I think that you guys might have that brand recognition that you're able to convince the people who may have questions about Bali wine to uh, put it in their face, if you know what I mean. I don't know. Well, we're going to keep, we're going to keep trying for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful. Now I'm conscious of time because I know we're trying to wrap up uh, by tennis. Did you want to crack the stout? Being it is St. Patrick's Day today, conveniently. Yeah, you might as well. I'm not scared. Nathaniel, are you down? No, I'm down. I'm down. Let's do it. Oh, I'm gonna finish all these later. Ugh, this is just this cat's face is glorious. Oh man, it's spectacular. And this and like look at this lacing too. Like like how uh, like how glorious is that looking? Yeah, I got the same. Honestly, dude, this is That's so sticky hop. All those sticky hops. Yeah. Ooh. Yep. It's just glorious, bro. Like I was so looking forward to this podcast. This is uh as incredible as I thought. So uh this beer 
I like this because Nate and I have a Twitter account called Team Lactose. Uh, this is a vanilla latte. <laughs> Did you know that? Uh, we don't do a whole lot of beers with lactose, but uh, there's one of them. There's one. So vanilla latte, coffee, milk stout. I imagine it's a milk stout with uh, vanilla. Yeah, so it's, yep. uh, again, morning roast coffee beans and then vanilla from Costco. Love it. Vanilla from Costco. <laughs> nice. That's even more. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, tell us about this one, they bro. Have, they have very good vanilla extract for a beer. Yeah. So that is, uh, that's a beer we've been doing for, for several years now. Uh, the base beer is just like a, like a coffee milk stout. We've been brewing it probably since pretty much the beginning. Uh, and then just this is ha this has the addition of vanilla, which it didn't always have, but it just I think works so well. So, love it, love vanilla, love milk stout, love lactose, love morning roasts. I don't want to tell you, it's amazing. Oh, I'm I'm loving the the aroma on this as yeah. I'm pouring it already. Huge coffee off of it. Yeah, this is basically like basically iced coffee, pretty much Ooh, in it. beer form. Yeah. It's it's called, what's it called again? Sorry, so I go for taking a photo. Vanilla, vanilla latte. Vanilla latte. Yeah, honestly, like, yeah. Big fan of all of the, the above. And it's 6.5? Yeah, something like that, six and a half percent. Something like that, love it. Um, 6.2. 6.2, same thing. Okay. Gotta get, gotta get it accurate. So In that neighborhood. This is a style that you have done a bunch of as far as the uh, the milk stout side of things? Yeah, we've been doing a coffee milk stout probably since 2016. So this is pretty much that same beer, just with vanilla also. Love it. And, uh, you know, what? what's uh, – you just enjoy a milk stout? Like was there any particular reason you wanted to do something like this? Yeah, like – we just kind of wanted to have like a lower ABV stout. Um, that's still intense. Like Ooh. it's not as intense as a real stout, but lots of flavor, lots going on. And uh, just like a really good showcase for the coffee too, I think. Man, this is glorious. Cusco vanilla, the vanilla is popping in this. Yep. The, the nose is like, is I feel like it's just like the lactose and the vanilla. This is, yeah, this is another beer that goes back to my homebrew days. I started brewing this beer probably 2014, maybe 2013. So kind of been doing this very similar to this for a long time. This goes back like to the growler days. We used to do growler fills of this too. Okay, interesting. And what was the response? Uh, once again, like it's an interesting beer. I feel like milk stouts, like I fucking love them, but in the I'm, I'm looking at the cans here you know the the, the vibe that that you guys have created like what's the response to a product like this um are, are people excited for it or do they already know because you know sometimes the hype folks they want to come for their haze and they want like a eight thousand percent barreling stout like how do they feel about this kind of like nice crushable sweet stout yeah well it's certainly not like a hype beer for us uh, we do it a couple times a year, and it sells it sells well. Like it doesn't sell out as fast as IPAs or things like that. Um, and it has like we have like there's definitely like a following. Like every time we do this beer, there'll be a few people who are like, I have to have a case of it, so buy it, like buy the case. 
Um, so it's just, it's just a fun beer. And like, we've done a few different variations. We've done like a coconut version too. Mm. Uh, in, in, in October, we've done like pumpkin spice latte, which is the same beer with pumpkin spices. So kind of like, it's a fun base. You can kind of play around with it a little bit. Nate and I are uh, speaking our language there. We are what we call basic bitches. We love pumpkin spice. Yeah. Um, okay. So every Nate, we have to make sure we get a hell of that because, um, yeah, what it's all about. Make a note of that. Um, this is glorious. We're going we're to make a little bit, a larger batch of the pumpkin spice this year. Cause it sold out pretty quick last year. So because we'll scale it up a little bit. Yes. Yeah, you guys come for sure. Oh dude, honestly at the, I think on the inside, we're all kind of basic. Are we not? Well, I'm from Australia. We did not have pumpkin spice anything. It's not a thing. So when I came to Canada and North America, I went, I go, I just went nuts right towards anything that's pumpkin because it's just so, I don't even like pumpkin as a vegetable, but pumpkin spice, I would, I would go nuts on anything. It's so fascinating to me. Even I've been here uh, 11 and a half years and I'm still fascinated by all things pumpkin. <laughs> It does not get old for me. Yeah. And I'm glad Nate's, you know, because Nate is part of uh, BOS. I'm glad he, him and I see eye to eye on it. So I'm very glad that of all breweries, Barncat are doing a, a, a pumpkin spice latte. So thank you for, for all the basic folks like us, bro. I love it. This is great. Yeah. It started, that beer, that beer kind of like the pumpkin spice kind of started out a little bit as a joke. We did it just as like a tap room beer, like a one-off keg. And people responded to it so well that it just like became a thing we do now. So. I love it. I am not surprised. Dude, I, I am and I'm not. I kind of feel like people hate on us for the, the love of pumpkin spice. I feel like people always make fun of us. So I don't know. No, right? but man, that's a, but, but that's a thing of just like the people that hate it are just very loud. That's, a, <laughs> like, that's all it always yeah. is. What's the vibes in, in, in the – people come to the tap room. Like are they, are they about it? Are they like, man, give me that fucking pumpkin. Like what's the vibe? I, I was there. There are people who are adamantly against it, and then there are people who are very pro pumpkin spice too. So it's definitely divided. There are definitely customers that won't touch it for sure. Okay, and how do you feel in uh, personally? No, no pumpkin judgment. Uh, I'm all, almost a little embarrassed about how much I like it. To be honest, <laughs> don't. I want you to I know. Think I, I didn't think I would like it as much as I do. Can I tell you, Jeremy? This is a safe space. You are welcome here, and we okay. love pumpkin as much as you do. <laughs> yeah. Can you break the, down the first time we did the pumpkin spice? Are, like... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I go to I go to the grocery store and buy a jar of pumpkin spices, and then we just add it to the beer. And that's it. Oh, okay. So, so, so just, the first, like, like, like yeah. the jar of like the blend of pumpkin spice. So, so probably like cinnamon, nutmeg, uh, all spice usually. Like, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like like McCormick's pumpkin spice or whatever. Like the first time we did it, right, okay. it was one of those things that we did it. We did it as a joke, and it turned out way better than it should have. So like, well, we're just gonna <laughs> keep doing it because that was that was like too easy almost. Oh, I fucking love that. Oh, that's amazing. Like all things pumpkin spice, I feel like people front on it, and they front on it because they want they 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 feel like they're supposed to not like it because they're like, oh, it's pumpkin, but. As long as, as long as you drink it by, your, by yourself at home when there's no judgment, you're okay. Well, that's how I've been drinking for two years. So, you know, I'm here for it. Let's go. And you know what? Yeah. I'll drink it in your – you have a tap room? 
we kind of so like we closed it at like the start of the bullshit in 2020 and we haven't reopened it yet okay um it was one of those things that we didn't like if we'd have reopened every time we could have we would have had to close it like three times so we're like we're just going to keep it closed until we're confident we can keep it, we can reopen it okay. and the problem we're facing now is we used that space as like extra storage so it's kind of like a junk room now so we need to clear out all the junk before we can reopen the tap room so there will be a tap room again just not at this current moment we need to do some rearranging first that's fair um I was going to say I would proudly drink pumpkin spice in the tap room. Like, Jeremy, please, sir, may I have a pint of your finest pumpkin spice? And I would drink it and I would look everyone in the eye. And then fuck that. We're going to have to, I think we're going to have to plan for the two of us to be in, uh, to be in Cambridge by October this year. So <laughs> hopefully you guys yeah. will be able to have okay. the tap room back open by then. I think that's safe. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be open. The pumpkin spice beer will be flowing. So Lonely. we might even do a pumpkin spice rack. We might even do a pumpkin spice rack queen. Maybe. Oh, my God. Don't tease me. So I was going to say, don't promise things you can't fulfill, sir, because that is very – Oh, I'll make, oh it ha- I'll make it happen. I feel like we could make that a collab, Jeremy. I feel like we could make this a serious oh, thing. Oh, yes. Yes, we got to do that. We could do a pumpkin. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't That'd know. Awesome. Awesome. I feel like that would be something like, – you know, we've, we've done a few collabs here and there, but pumpkin spice is one thing I have not dabbled in. And people know that Nathan and I are, are very uh, pumpkin, pro-pumpkin. We we okay, well, we'll send you guys. To, yeah, we'll send you guys to the grocery store. You can buy the pumpkin spice. That'll be your collab, your contribution, contribution, and we'll make it happen. I'll do it. I'll do Happily. It. I yep. would be proud. No, I was going to say I would be proud. I would be honored. Like no question, don't need to think about it. <laughs> nope. Is there a, so there's a pumpkin spice, yeah. but do you put like vanilla in it? Do you put like vanilla in the, in the pumpkin beer? Too? No, just the pumpkin spices. Why don't we put vanilla in it? Change it up. Make it vanilla. I mean, maybe we can. Why not? Hence the collapse. There's no rules. We can do whatever we oh, want. Oh, what about some actual, do you put coffee in it? Uh, in the pumpkin spice latte, yeah, there's coffee in it. That's coffee in it. That's the only yeah. thing I can think of as vanilla the... for right now. Okay, maple. Yeah, we can we can do it. Yeah, that's yeah. fall. That's fall. And the maple's spring. We're talking fall. Okay, we can we can talk. We can talk. I think, I think vanilla vanilla is a good idea. Vanilla might be because this is yeah. like gorgeous. This is stunning. This is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. This is. Great. It's like just a really this nicely made. I feel like what is six point two is just such a money zone for a uh, a nice milk stout that's um, you know, just where it needs to be. It's not over the top. It's super crushable. It's St. Patrick's Day. I feel Irish, but also fancy and hipster. It's I'm kind of getting everything I need from this right now. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Glad um, you're enjoying it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Um, was there anything else we wanted to make sure we touch on just to, to keep us uh, on track here? Was there anything else that we did we sort of missed as far as the journey? I think we pretty much touched on everything, really. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Um, man, this was really cool. I feel like uh, we all learned a lot. Like, I, you know, I really didn't realize that y'all started the haze and and the um, – what was the second thing? It was the first uh, – the double barrel as well. Yeah. So, you know. Maybe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it. I feel, like, I, feel like, I feel like that's what it is. Let's make that declaration haze thing, right, I will, right now. Haze thing for sure. Haze yeah. and double barrel prove us wrong. Let us know, and I'm, I'd like to know, but uh, I believe you, and I, uh, I'm here for it. Unless anybody can prove otherwise. 
Well, you know, bring documentation because, you know, this is some serious shit right here. Yeah. But no, honestly, Jeremy, this has been really cool, man. Thank you so much for your time and for generosity. Uh, you know, it's been really cool to, to, to drink the beers, talk with you and really get this history. And I think it's uh, really valuable for to, to capture this on, on, on here. We're really trying to get, you know, Canadian and beyond the you know, beer history here on the podcast. And I feel like what you've done is uh, what you talked to us about tonight has really captured a bunch of stuff. And it's uh, very, very fucking cool, man. So I appreciate your time. Yeah. Where can everybody find Thank you? For having, thank you for having me. It was, it was a good time. And we can definitely do it again sometime. Please. I would like to do it every year. I think that would be. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like things change so much. And uh, it's, it's super interesting to see. And I like. I apologize. I, I know we, you know, I would love to have done this a long time ago because we started the podcast a little bit before you guys opened. Um, so we should have done this a while ago. So I apologize, but let's, yeah, let's, let's really keep, uh, keep that up and um, we'll keep in touch. But actually, almost just before I ask you that, let's take this, the, uh, the thumbnail. So I'm going to take a screenshot of the screen here. Do oh, you guys yeah. want to hold up, hold up the uh, couple cans? Because I guess, Jeremy, you have the. I'll hold up my can. Yes, hold that up. I'm going to see if I can get three up here. Oh, oh no, I'm going to get two. Nate's got three. There you go. Boom. All right. Y'all ready? Oh, that's stunning. That is stunning, mate. Um, Jeremy, where can everybody find Barncat online, man? Uh, the best place is probably Instagram, just bar at Barncat Ales. Uh, we have a website, too, just barncatales.com. Website's always up to date with our current offerings. It's pretty basic beyond that. But yeah, Instagram's the best way. So Love it. Beautiful. We're fine. Nice. I appreciate it. Uh, Nate, where can everyone find you online, sir? Uh, okay, so uh, on every social platform, it's at Nathan Does Beer, and uh, you can find all of my blogs on the BAOS podcast blog or a quick link, NathanDoesBeer.com, and you can find me right here co-hosting BAOS podcast uh, Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on. This was really uh, like a genuine pleasure to uh, like to finally sit down and talk with you here. For real. Yeah, thanks again. Appreciate it. Um, stick around. I'm just going to wrap this up. I would just say goodbye once I stop recording. Um, but uh, you guys, thank you again for hanging out. Everyone, if you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new new drops. Follow us on social media at BAOS Podcast. Check in the long form audio so you can hear attractive gentlemen like Jeremy and Nathan talk about craft beer. We go live on uh, on uh, YouTube and all podcast platforms at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, which is what we are now, e, uh, every Wednesday. So you'll hear that soon. Guys, thank you so much again. We'll see you in the next episode. Get in here.